Okay, so happy Mother's Day, first and foremost. Uh, but I wonder, as I as I sort of survey the words of that song, um, by Lauren Daigle, actually, who wrote that. And, um, you know, there's a truth in there that we don't often talk about. And moms know it. Sometimes you pray for things, and you pray for God to move mountains, and He doesn't. He doesn't answer your prayers the way you wanted them answered. And it's like, what happened? And when that happens, what do you do about that? Do you continue to trust in God or do you say, forget it. God let me down. God didn't heal this person. God didn't change this circumstance. God didn't do what I wanted him to do. And I trusted him and it didn't work. So I give up. Or do you continue to trust God? And uh, that's the decision that, that we have to make, right? And moms, you, you know what that's like. Uh, those of you who have endeavored to serve the Lord and raise your kids in a, you know, a Christ-centered home and all of that, you've seen your faith tested. All of us have. So I'm just going to pray for you, uh, mom or not mom, those of you who are watching, whoever. Um, what will you do when... God may disappoint you. Uh, so, Father, we come to you this morning, Mother's Day 2021, and we ask, Lord, that you would um, you would somehow mix uh, and and bake uh, a faith that is um, that is strong enough to make it through the moments that we don't understand, and the moments that we question, and the moments that we doubt, and the moments that we and wander and Lord I, I pray you would help us to uh, to be rooted in you and to trust in you our firm foundation our rock our strength our shield our Savior and our God we pray these things together Lord in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen thank you Simon, Sean, and Viano, the three wise men, as I always call them. They did a terrific job, as usual, and I'm going to move this a little bit, Simon, if you don't mind. And if somebody, oh, thank you so much, Viano. See, they're so great, these guys, working with all of this stuff. Are we okay? We're, we're visible on Facebook and YouTube and online and everything. Good morning, everyone who's watching. And uh, I would invite you to comment, 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 share, 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 subscribe, share with your friends, share with your enemies and everyone in between. Some of you, you know you have friends who are enemies, right? You have friends on Facebook, they're not your friend. You just want information from them and that's why you stay friends with them, right? Oh, yeah. Some of the moms know what I'm talking about when I say that. Yeah, okay. So, happy Mother's Day. Uh, let me turn my eyes on. I know this looks a little strange from your end, but it helps me a little bit. Um, and I'm just going to give a few announcements uh, to you here. Let's see if we can get this going. And yes, it's working. Okay, good. Uh, uh, I always talk about this little discipleship group that we have cooking in our church. Uh, there's a few people in this room who are in it. And, um, you know, there's, uh, you could come, come to church or watch online or, you know, whatever you, term you want to use, but are you growing? Are you being challenged? Are you taking the next steps in your faith? Who's pushing you? Who's um, holding you accountable? Are you learning some of the disciplines of the Christian faith? You're learning how to pray for somebody? You're learning how to fast? You're learning what your spiritual gifts are? Are you getting involved? Are you sharing your faith? been baptized in water? I mean, who's pushing you at that end? And this little group is like that, and I give them little challenges and little uh, pieces of homework to do after Sunday. Uh, those of you who are in the group, do your homework. You're late, okay? You know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, and uh, try and push them and challenge them and take the next steps. So if you want to be a part of that, that's a private, face group, uh, uh, private Facebook group that you can join through our Facebook page. Page. Got to get the nomenclature correct. Uh, Wednesday nights, we have a really good video Bible study cooking um, from the folks at That the World May Know, and they've done about 16 volumes of this, all shot on location in the Holy Land and in uh, Turkey and 
uh, that area of the world and uh, terrific for learning how to interpret the Bible in context and learning what it meant to the original people who originally read it and heard it so that you can apply it, apply it to your lives properly. So uh, you can be a part of that. It's a Zoom call one hour on Wednesday nights. I think I have everybody's contact information in this room without fail. You should be getting regular messages from me. Here's a tip. Read them, okay? All the information that's going on I send to you, you're either going to get it on your phone or through email. Read it. Hey, I may give you some, something for free if you read, you know? I just to test you a little bit. Uh, it used to be that um, uh, when people use paper bulletins, uh, which have kind of gone to the wayside now with COVID especially, you know, the running joke was, do people actually read a church bulletin? And I've always thought you should put some bloopers in church bulletins and see if people actually read them, you know, or give away free money and say, here's free iPad to whoever reads this and contacts me, you know, by such and such a time. So anyway, read the messages that come in. Uh, next time we are meeting together in person is next week, the 16th of May. Use the website to register as all of you have done. And uh, we'll be together in this room once again, okay? Pray for our global workers, the mans, who I'm going to have a good conversation with Don on Wednesday and uh, catch up with him and Marie-José as they are engaged in uh, leadership training and the Charbonneaus who are in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, they're really easy to follow online through Facebook or their website. And also EJ Tupe, who is in uh, urban Toronto, all right? Uh, you want to give today, you can do so. We've got the table, the edge of the table with a machine and a basket there, but you can also give online uh, through our website, and all of you know that already, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about the subject of Mother's Day, obviously, today. And if there are any kids in the room who want to watch the movie, or adults, you know, I won't mind if you leave and you go watch Tom and Jerry and then you watch my stream later. I won't mind. I'm not going to mind. So uh, if you want, uh, it's in screen number 12, okay? And that's running right now. And uh, we've got kids workers over there who are looking after them. Um, but we are going to talk about Mother's Day today. And we do have some, some flowers in the front there for all of the ladies in the, the house today. Sorry, online, we cannot give you a physical flower. So you're just going to have to live without it. Uh, but the people who are here today, we're going to give them away at the end. And you don't have to be a mom uh, to, to get one. We've got plenty to go around uh, but it's for the ladies, okay, at the end, just a little little nice thing for you. But we're going to talk about moms today, and in particular, um, how Jesus treated his mother, all right? Motherhood is, in my view, I don't know if the men or, you know, fathers in the room agree, but I'm going to give a little survey, and maybe you want to answer online if you want. How many of you, you think that motherhood is harder than fatherhood? Put up your hand. Yeah, the smart men in the room put their hand up. Yeah. Guys who are sleeping, they're, they're, don't be asleep at the switch on a question like that. It's my, in my view, in my opinion, uh, motherhood is harder than fatherhood. Now, you, some may debate me, but uh, when you start to learn what it's like to be a mother, you start to realize how hard it is. All right, I'm going to get this video uh, going for you. Hopefully it'll work. I thought I knew Mother's Day. Before I was a mother, I thought I knew. I thought I knew what love looks like. I thought I knew the value of sleep. I thought I knew the sound of success. Before I was a mother, I thought I knew the beauty of a prayer, the potential of my joy, the length of my patience. I thought I knew the depth of art, The 
the soul of laughter. a few of those little clips yeah you probably did as well but being a mom is pretty tough um, and so on Mother's Day you know we give out flowers and we go take our you know significant people out to eat and all of that and and we treat them well and we you know they don't have to do you know they, we give them a break kind of thing and we honor and we celebrate moms on Mother's Day in this culture and as well we should as well we should uh, but the question is, what do we do the rest of the year? And um, is it important the rest of the year uh, to acknowledge and to celebrate and to honor moms? Um, and so, you know, when it's over and one day passes, well, what about the rest? And uh, I think especially in this time that we live in with a pandemic, this becomes more of a significant question. Now, uh, fortunately, we have in the scripture uh, some short but pretty unique little, um, little vignettes of the life of Jesus and how Jesus actually treated his mother. And they are fascinating little pieces of his life. They go by like a blip on a radar. Uh, as you read through the Gospels, but they're really, really significant. So I want to just spend a few moments showing you these things, and we're going to have some clips as well uh, that uh, are really good from the Chosen uh, TV series that I'll show you to help you illustrate. But I'm going to show you three different times in Jesus' life and how he treated his mother, and hopefully we can learn some things uh, about that uh, critical subject today. And the first one is when Jesus is a child. We have him as a child, we have him as an adult, and we have him at his death. And in those three times in his life, we have some moments that, again, go by very fast, uh, but they're very significant. So um, the famous Christmas, uh, uh, it's read sometimes at Christmas time, but this is when Jesus is 12 years old. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verses uh, 41 to 52. I'm just going to read it and then show it to you uh, through a clip from the streaming TV series, The Chosen. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. So Passover, you had to make an appearance at the temple. It was a pilgrimage feast, and so typical Jewish family, they did that. When he was 12 years old, they went up according uh, to the feast according to the custom, and hope maybe you know the story. After the feast was over, his parents were returning home, and the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Uh, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began uh, to look for him. 
and they didn't know where he was, began to look for him among their friends and their relatives and so on, all these people who were probably in a large caravan. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem, and after three days, they found him in the temple courts. That's an odd place for a 12-year-old. Sitting among the uh, teachers of the law, listening to them, answering their questions, asking them questions, sorry. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding. 12-year-old boy and his answers. And when his parents saw him, so Joseph is involved here, but we're going to focus on Mary uh, today, obviously, being Jesus' mother. They were astonished. And his mother said to him, look at the interaction, Son, why have you treated us like this? You could say, wow, he's not treating them very well. There's a little home alone story happening here or what's going on? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus answers, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, the temple? Strange answer for a 12-year-old boy. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. The second time Luke says that in, in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. supposed to be with my father. Then why weren't you? I was. <sighs> you were in the temple? It was incredible, Mary. You should have seen him. He was teaching when I found him. The rabbis, the scribes, the scholars, they could not believe their ears. They barely let us leave. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? It is too early for all this. If not now, when? Just help us get through all of this with you. Please. Maybe we should get going before they make a formal inquiry, hmm? Jesus, please don't do that again, huh? Yes, Abba. May I read? We'll see, hmm? Come now, we've got a long journey. What are you going to do for your mother for this transgression, huh? I'm going to make him rub your feet. Abba! <laughs> So the, uh, oh, sorry, there we go. Yeah. So uh, I love the way that they capture the interaction there uh, because when we read the account, um, it almost looks like Jesus is a bit of a brat uh, and he's kind of, you know, run away and uh, doing his own thing. Actually, the opposite is true. And I like the way they capture it there. He says, but I am in my father's house. 
I'm not being disobedient. He has a very keen awareness of who he is, uh, even as a 12-year-old boy. And then Luke follows it up, and he says he was obedient to them. And he grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and men. What do we learn? Well, as a child, and there I don't think any children in the room, uh, but as a child, he was obedient in a godly sense to not only his mother, but his father as well. Uh, you know, it's still in the Bible, folks. Uh, I know when we read words like obedience and, you know, submission, we get our, our backs get all bent up like this, and, you know, we start having uh, panic attacks in this culture. But the Bible is pretty clear that children should obey their parents. Uh, you say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, New Testament too. Book of Ephesians, Paul quotes it, and he says, with a blessing. They'll, if they obey, they'll, it'll go well for them in life. And he quotes from the Old Testament. Um, so, but Jesus demonstrates this, even as he's keenly aware of who he is, he is still obedient to his mother. And I love the way that they uh, capture it there. And moms like it when their kids are obedient, right, moms? You tend to like that a little bit more. You don't want them to be like little robots, right? But you like it when they're obedient. I don't know if any of you have seen the, uh, the video. There is a viral video out of, I think it's the state of Florida, uh, with a high school principal paddling a, a child. Have you seen this? And the, the mother caught it on video. It is astounding. Uh, to, to watch this, this shocking video. Uh, that's, not the, yeah, that's not the way it's supposed to be. But um, children should submit in a godly fashion to godly parents. Not always easy to do, I suppose, if your parents are ungodly. But Jesus demonstrates this 12-year-old boy little vignette that we see there. And then we move to another, again, short story, I suppose. It's only in uh, John's gospel, but this is the story of Jesus uh, changing the water into the wine. And we know the miracle uh, very well. Even people who don't go to church use the phrase water into wine. Uh, sometimes they don't even know where it comes from. Uh, but there's something tucked in the story in the way that we see how Jesus relates to his mother. So John chapter 2 and uh, verses 1 to 10. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding, and they came. Uh, Jesus wasn't too busy to not go to the wedding, not too busy with, you know, ministry and all of this, he went to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, went right to Jesus, and said, they have no more wine. And uh, the reply from Jesus, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet Come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. That's a big, big jar. Your car, your regular sedan car, I think holds like 10 gallons. So this is a lot. These are big, big jars. Obviously, they took their ceremonial washing quite seriously. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Okay. How's that going to work, right? And so they filled them to the brim, right up to the top with water. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize uh, where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, Everybody brings out 
the choice wine first. The good stuff comes out first, right? And then you bring out the cheaper stuff when people have had a little too much to drink. They're not going to know the difference. It's capitalism in the first century. It's a joke, okay. Um, and they, but you, you, Mr. Bridegroom, you have saved the best until now. This was the first miraculous sign that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. Thus he revealed his glory to his disciples and they put their faith in him. Thomas, talk to me. Just watch out for the frogs this time. <laughs> oh, sons of Jonah. We were just looking for you. They're dancing to the song of Miriam, and we thought you wouldn't want to miss it. Of course. Let the three of us show them how it's done, huh? I don't think that's such a good idea. Why? Andrew has four left feet. Four? <laughs> Why four? When he tries to dance, he looks like a donkey walking on hot coals. <laughs> oh, Andrew, do you deny it? I've never seen a donkey walking on hot coals. Actually, that would be a terrible thing to behold. My son. Ah, Andrew, you see, even my own mother will join us in the Song of Miriam. They've run out of wine. But it's only the first day? Yes, and it's all gone. Not a drop left. Why are you telling me this? We can't let the celebration end like this. And Etcher's family humiliated. Boys. Go join the others. I'll be right there. Mm. Mother, my time has not yet come. If not now. Do whatever he tells you. Uh, and again, note how the filmmakers, you know, use the same shots and the same language as when Jesus was a child. Very cleverly done there. But the, the, the interaction is interesting uh, because what the story implies, at least behind the scenes, is that Jesus, just to stay, say it bluntly, spent time with his mother, even as an adult. He spent time with his mother, and yet, at the same time, he is autonomous. He's an independent adult. He, he's not, he doesn't, you know, live at home and play video games and, and you know, not get a job. And <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's independent of her, but he spends time with her, apparently enough time that she went to him when there was the problem with the wine. And she asks him the question, uh, we've got a, got a problem here, son, and I think maybe you have the answer, is <laughs> kind of what she's saying. And some people get hung up again on the way that he addresses her, and he says, dear woman, why do you involve me? And we say, whoa, that's a little harsh. Can he at least call her his mother? You know, it seems a bit rude. Uh, not in that culture. Uh, if you look at the language that's used there and the Greek language and so on, is common way of addressing one's mother. He wasn't trying to be rude to her. Uh, some translations don't even have the deer there. It just says, woman, why do you involve me? So if you live today in 21st century, don't try this at home, okay? It's a first century culture. It would be a bit different back then. But he's not being rude to her. Uh, but he says to her, my time has not yet come. And I like the way they do it in the video. If not now, when? You know, same line that he used on her when he was 12 years old. Maybe that happened, maybe it didn't, but certainly well done. But it implies a relationship, a, a healthy relationship, a mature relationship that he has with his mother. He spent time with her. Now, 
let me tell you from personal experience, having done hundreds, maybe thousands of visits, I'm not sure, in seniors' homes and hospitals with a lot of senior folks, uh, parents are lonely. Moms are lonely. There's moms who their kids are not spending time with them. Their adult children have just kind of gone and done their own thing and they don't spend time with their, with their aging parents. You could easily spend all day in hospitals and seniors' homes in the province of Quebec. Seniors are isolated and alone. Uh, we have seen things through this uh, pandemic season that are grotesque that have happened in seniors' homes across the province of Quebec. Some of you, you know, because you, you work in them. Some of you who are watching, you work in them. Absolutely grotesque and indescribable. And scores of seniors have perished. Moms have perished, not because of COVID necessarily, but because of neglect. And that neglect is symptomatic of the fact that the society tends to jettison seniors aside. And there's a lot of moms who are in those places. And it's like, where are the kids? Where are the grandkids? They never come. They never visit. They get the, the, the devices and they never message me or text me or call me. They're just doing their own thing. No time. Christian homes. Busy with the church. No time to spend with your parents. Oh boy, that's not good. Spend time, quality time with your moms and your dads, but we're focusing on moms today because here's what's happening with the time. It's vanishing. It's going away. Some of you maybe have not wrestled with the reality that the likelihood of you living a portion of your life without your mother is very high. You are going to live a portion of your life burying your mother. How are you going to reconcile that? How are you, what are you going to remember? Now, sometimes it's the other way. I've done a number of funerals where, you know, mothers are burying their children. And that's a parent's worst nightmare. There's a family in this church who's just experienced that with their, you know, nine-month-old didn't wasn't even born right mom mom carried the boy right to term and the boy passed away right to term i don't know if you're here maria don't want to embarrass you uh but that's a reality um but normally normally typically what happens is you are going to be at your mom's funeral one day you're going to lay your mom to rest one day what are you going to remember what memories are you carving? What time are you spending? Because in the end, that's all you've got. And it's not necessarily about, you know, how successful you are in life and all. It's about the time. I bet you Mary, boy, she would have never forgotten the moment that Jesus, you know, turned the water into wine. Of course, nobody, nobody would have forgotten that. But I bet the moment where she went up to Jesus and said, um, we got no more wine. He hadn't, according to John's gospel, he hadn't done any miracles yet. This would be the first one. And what a miracle it was. You don't see anything like it in the Bible. Never see anybody in the Old Testament turn water in the, into wine. Uh, you see weird things. You see an axe head float in the Old Testament. But you don't see water turned into wine. What a miracle. But the memory, I think would have been more powerful. And even for Jesus, that memory of when his mother came to him and made that observation and addressed him as if he had the answer. And yet Jesus was independent of her. And we do see things in the gospel that show that he was very independent of her. Uh, Luke chapter 8 and uh, verses 9 to 21. I uh, hope I've got it right here. Um, hope I've got it right here. Oh, I don't think I do. All right, let me flip to the other one, Luke chapter 11. 
uh, verses 27 to 28. I'll flip back to the other one later. Uh, but here's Jesus in the height of his, his preaching, and uh, he's being attacked here. They're saying that he's driving out uh, demons by the prince of demons, and he's in a, quite, a, quite a quarrel here. And verse 27 of Luke chapter 11, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. So, you know, praise to Mary. And look how Jesus responds. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Woo! <laughs> Why is he not acknowledging, you know, praising his mother? Well, because he's, he's very independent of her. Even though he spends time with her, he's quite independent uh, of her. The other passage, I can't, uh, my text is wrong, but I'll do it by memory. Um, you have people coming to, to Jesus and saying, you know, your mother and your brothers are outside. And he says, well, uh, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and obey it and who do his will. <laughs> you say, well, that's a little harsh. Well, he's very, he's very clearly independent of her, but yet he spends time with her. And that's the question for us as adults, isn't it? Uh, is your relationship with your mother a healthy one and a mature one? And, or is it, you know, on the one hand, you, you know, where we see this in society now, you know, the adult children back at home, no job playing video games, and, you know, mom is cooking for a 45-year-old guy. Uh, or on the other hand, the other extreme, there's no contact, there's no communication. Now, some of you, you're saying, oh, but you don't know my mother. You don't know what it was like. You don't know and you don't understand. I probably don't. But that doesn't excuse you from making an effort. And, you know, maybe your mother, maybe your experience with your mother was horrible. Maybe there's some people watching online, you say it was horrible. My mother was abusive, uh, for example, you might say. That doesn't excuse you from doing your job, though, as a Christ follower and reaching out to that person who brought you into the world as best as you can in as godly a fashion as you can. You'd be wise, obviously. Uh, but there's this time thing and there's this independence thing. And there's a balance between the two because one day, the odds are, you're going to live a portion of your life remembering your experiences with your mother because she'll be gone. She'll likely go before you. What will you remember? And then finally, we see uh, Jesus in an interaction with his mother when he's dying. So Mary has to watch her son die. And it's not a nice death. This is a death by crucifixion. Terrible. Uh, there's a historian from that time who says that people don't e didn't even use the word. They didn't even pronounce the word crucifixion because it was so grotesque. I mean, it would take some of these victims days to die on these crosses. Awful. And so she has to watch her firstborn son because she had other children. If we read the Gospels, we see that pretty clearly. She has to watch her firstborn son get executed on this cross. Same guy who turned water into wine. I mean, this is this is very, very heavy, very, very dramatic scene. And you see in John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27, little interaction between Jesus and his mother. And Jesus should be the center of attention there. He's the one who's being crucified unjustly. Uh, he's the one who, who I mean, wh what an ironic scene, you know. So in a, in a way, he's the focus. He's the center of attention. But watch what he does here. So near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, there's so many Marys in the New Testament, okay? It's a very common name. And Mary Magdalene. So you've got all these Marys. So the, the, what's important for us is the mother of Jesus is also there. And when Jesus saw his mother, he's on a cross and he sees her. 
and he sees the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. That's John, the author, identifying himself. He said to his mother, so he's got all people who he knows around that cross. Uh, he's got John who's very close to him. He's got a, you know, a few other Marys there. He's got Mary Magdalene there who apparently he drove seven demons out of her at one point in her life. You see that in the Chosen series very dramatically. Uh, but he talks to one person, mom. And watch what he says. Now, when you're dying on a cross, it's very, very hard to breathe. This is why Jesus' statements on the cross are very, very short and very, very deliberate. And look, look what he says to her and straight to her. And then he focuses and switches uh, to John. So, dear woman, same thing that he said to her when he turned the water into wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Dear woman, here is your son. Obviously speaking about John, who's very close by. And to the disciple, this is John again, his way of identifying himself. Here is your mother. And from that time on, we're told, this disciple took her into his home. What's he doing there? He's the firstborn son, you see. And uh, so he has a, a set of responsibilities in that culture as a firstborn son. Jesus had, or Mary had other children. Again, it's clear from what we see in the Gospels. Um, but he, th this interaction suggests that Jesus wants to make sure that his mother is cared for. And he's, in a sense, replacing himself with John. Here is your son. I'm not going to be here anymore. Here is your son. And to John, here is your mother. Probably Joseph, Mary's husband, had passed away uh, many years prior. He drops off the screen in the Gospels like a rock. Uh, so most scholars think that he had passed away or something like that. And you have Mary, who, if that's true, she is now going to lose her firstborn son. Oh boy, in that culture, she could be in trouble. And so Jesus very carefully, very deliberately takes care of business. And he honors her. And he cares for her, even though it's him who's dying. Even though it's him who should be the focus of attention, he's not focusing on himself. He's focusing on her. And he's very careful to do this. It is a beautiful, beautiful moment showing how he honors her and how he cares for her, even in that very, very... Uh, I mean, you, we use the word excruciating today. Uh, that comes from the word crucify, right? Even in a crucifixion, he's, it's just an astounding interaction. Um, and he's honoring her. You recognize this guy? Chuck Norris. He's 81 years old. When I saw this picture, I couldn't believe it. First of all, he's 81. But that's his mother who turned 100 uh, this past week. And Chuck Norris, okay, if you remember all his movies from the 80s, and what was the TV show that he did? Okay, there's several of them, I guess. That <laughs> we got some Chuck Norris fans in the house here. But he writes a beautiful tribute to his 100-year-old mother that, that made the news uh, this week. I can't believe it, and neither can my mom. She turns 100 years young this week on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, I guess. I mean, 100 years old. Would you like to look that good when you're 100? My goodness. I mean, what's with the genes in this family? You know, look at him. He's 81. And look at her. She's 100 years old. Incredible. The queen... I mean, 
that lady, I don't know if she's immortal or what, but she, she is incredible at her age. This, just thought of it as she had to, had to deal with her own loss, uh, which we all watched on television, I guess. And so here's Chuck Norris honoring his mother. And he says, wow, I looked at her a few days ago and said, you're a centenarian. And she replied in jest, I'm not a centipede. My mom, Wilma Norris Knight, was born in 1921 in rural Wilson, Oklahoma, where I grew up to. I think its population peaked back, when, back then with a whopping 1,800 people. My mom had a very difficult first half of her life, he writes. She was raised in abject poverty. She was given away as a ward of the state when she was only eight years old. She was treated for two years with a rare disease, living away from the family in a children's hospital. When she returned healthy a few years later, she lived through the Great Depression. Her entire family, including the young kids, used to pick cotton in the fields just to survive. When done picking one field, they'd often move to another a town to pick another field. There was nothing easy about life in the Dust Bowl, especially during the decade of the Great Depression. Mom married my father at 16 years of age, but was abandoned to raise her three boys all alone. Whew. I was the eldest and often had to assume the roles of my absent father. We were as poor as church mice, and that's what also prepared me to overcome the obstacles of this life. Mom has been an example of perseverance and faith her whole life. She is the last survivor of her 11-member biological family. She's also endured the deaths of her two husbands, a stepson, two husbands, I guess, one at a time, not at the same time. Okay, good. Uh, two grandchildren and my younger brother in the Vietnam War. She's had cancer repeatedly and has gone through roughly 30 different surgeries for a host of issues, and yet she's still here to talk about it. My mother has prayed for me all my life through thick and thin. I bet she got a lot of no's when she was praying for little Chuck Norris, but she must have learned faith. When I was born, I almost died from complications. When nearly losing my soul to Hollywood a few decades ago, she was back home praying for my success and salvation. She even prayed for me to find a woman to change my life, and it worked. I equally celebrate my wife, Gina, who's not in the picture there, during this Mother's Day week. Gina helps me run all my enterprises and is CEO of our new artesian bottled water company. Uh, but most of all, she is the mother of our twins, the love of my life, and my best friend. With my mom's birthday... At one end of this week and Mother's Day at the other, I am overwhelmed with gratitude to God for these two incredible women's influence in my life. I wouldn't be the man I am without them. I like this. There's a Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. <laughs> an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. I think that's I think that's way undervalued for my mom since she's also now a centenarian saint. Mom, I don't know what's more difficult to believe that you are 100 years old or that you have a son who is 81 years old. Amazing. Regardless, I'm so grateful you are my mom and so is Brother Aaron. We always have been strong. We've been through thick and thin in this life, and we're still growing strong, a little rust, but still running, I guess so. Amazing how he takes the time to honor his 100-year-old mom. That's the way to do it, to honor and care, even as your life changes, even as maybe, you know, surprises come that you are not expecting, Regardless, you honor and you care for your mom. And Jesus did it even when, if we never read this interaction in the Gospels, it wouldn't be like we would say, boy, is he ever selfish. You know, what's, it, it, doesn't he realize he's the firstborn son? He has to care for his mother. Look how selfish he is. There's nothing in the Gospels that says he cares. We wouldn't even notice it. It, it would be a, an unnoticeable thing, but it's there. Powerful, powerful interaction. 
between this man and his mom and how he loves her and cares for her even in his dying moments. So I don't know uh, where you're at today, and I'd like the, the band, if they could come up, uh, if they're all in the room. Not sure if Simon's here, but if he's not, you two guys can just play in the background. And I don't know where you're at today, but I have a feeling something in this road here has, has struck a memory. Uh, it's struck a, a nerve in your heart. There are people in this room. Okay, who touched what? <laughs> He touched his guitar and we lost the screen. There it goes back. Okay. There are people in this room and uh, this has been a hard year for you. You've, you've lost your mom this year. Uh, I lost my mom in 2020. Uh, it's a hard year. And um, so maybe that's, you know, just it overwhelms you and it strikes you. And, you know, there's all these memories that keep flooding through your mind and all of that. I, I don't know where you're at today. I read somebody's Facebook page uh, who's in the room, and she had a beautiful uh, tribute to her mom. Her mom has passed away, and beautiful, wrote a beautiful tribute. Reminded me of something like, like what I just read to you from Chuck Norris. But the time is depleting, and you're not going to get it back. So, uh, you know, for the adults in the room, you know, maybe it's this time and independence thing that strikes a nerve for you. Maybe it's the honor and the care thing that strikes a nerve for you. Maybe you're a mom and you just wish that the child would actually show some obedience to you. I'm not sure what it is, uh, but I want to, I just want to have a word of prayer for you uh, before we finish up today, especially the moms who, who are watching uh, online and moms who are in this room. Um, it's your day, but you know, we want to honor you all year round as well. Uh, so God, we come to you and we, uh, we are just so thankful, Lord, and, uh, and so blessed as we, as we think about our own personal lives and our own situations, whatever they are, Lord, when we, when we strip it all down and when we, uh, when it comes to the basics and it all comes down to brass tacks. Uh, God, we're just so thankful. And uh, we pray a, a, a blessing uh, upon each mom who's in this room, um, each mom who's watching. Um, God, I think of um, grandparents who are also in the room. I think of people, Lord, who they, they want so much to be mothers. And it's just, just not happening for them. I pray your blessing upon them, God. Uh, what a unique and powerful experience to be a mom. And uh, Lord, what a blessing it is for us who still have our moms with us and who can still redeem the time and who can still encourage and who can still care for. Uh, so Lord, we just ask your blessing upon each mom, each household that's represented today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will the Lord bless you today and bless all the moms today. Now at the front over here, we have some nice flowers for all the ladies. Uh, men, if you are without your lady and you want to bring one or two, you can do that as well, okay? No problem at all. There's plenty to go around. Those of you who have kids who are in number 12, they're still there. You can go over there and join them and watch the back end of that movie with them. Uh, but they're almost done with the movie. I will be hanging around uh, in the front here and would love to, uh, to chat with you, talk with you. I'll put my mask back on if you want to give. The machine is there. The envelopes are there. But I pray you have a blessed and a wonderful Mother's Day today, 2021. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. God bless you. The band's going to play for a little bit for the people on the stream. You can cut it whenever you want. God bless you today.